You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining me. Hoping you're having a good week of whatever it is you're doing these days. I thought I would start us off today with some joyful music and noise and, well, neither of those things, but an interesting statistic that I didn't know that I thought might kind of get our day started off on the right foot. This is a tweet written by Mr. Brad Evans. Quote, Thumbing through the Chicago Bears record book, Eric Kramer's franchise record 29 touchdown passes in season never ceases to amaze me. Not one, not a single signal caller has reached 30 touchdowns once in the club's 99-year history. Hard to fathom. End quote. To put that a little bit in perspective, Lynn Dickey threw for 32 touchdowns in 1983. Now, I wasn't born in 1983, but I'm well aware of the history that says that the 1980s were a very, very dark period for the Green Bay Packers. But even in a dark era, the Green Bay Packers and Lynn Dickey, who ranks... Would he be the fourth best? I know some people are big Don Mikowski fans, but I feel like Lynn Dickey was a better quarterback. I don't know. I wasn't around then. You guys argue that. I know it wasn't Brett Hundley. We can leave that out, out of the equation. So we'll, we'll give the Bears the benefit of the doubt and say Lynn Dickey was the fourth best quarterback in Green Bay Packers history. Still, 32 touchdowns in 1983. By the way, Cecil Isbell quarterback in 1942 threw for 24 touchdowns. So we're just about right where the uh, the Bears are in their all-time record back in the 40s. And this, this particular database I'm using is um, missing a lot of years. So I, I mean, I could, I don't know, I could thumb through a couple more years here. But again, 1942, Curly Lambeau's Green Bay Packers. And we're talking about 11 games. This is in 11 games. Cecil whatever threw for 20, well, he threw for 24 touchdowns. There were 28 touchdown passes thrown that season. In 11 games, I mean, the, 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 oh my goodness. In 1951, we threw for 26 touchdowns in only uh, 12 games. The, I mean, and, and listen, this is a bad football team. 1951 Green Bay Packers were 3-9. and nine. Still threw for 26 touchdowns that year. So, I mean... Again, you talk about identity of a football team. The Green Bay Packers have always been an offensive juggernaut. Even when they're terrible, they throw a lot of touchdown passes. But that's crazy to me. Packers also threw 30-plus touchdowns in 19, let's see, 1994, 95, 96, 97, 98, uh, then not, and then 2001, and then 2003, 2004, then there was a dry period there. Then Aaron Rodgers in 2009, 
in 2011, in 2012, in 2014, in 2015, in 2016. Has not gotten back there since. However, should also point out Aaron Rodgers got to 40 touchdowns in 2016 as well as 2011. So, that's fun. That's that's good fun. I enjoyed that. I'm glad that uh, that was pointed out to me. Shout out to Randall, by the way, for uh, for showing me that. He goes on to say, At no point in my life, and I've been watching football since 1972, have the Bears had a better quarterback than the Packers. Being a Bears fan would make me sad. Man, that is just incredible. As a matter of fact, as I'm looking through this now, looking at the Bears seasons, as far as touchdowns go, I tell you what, Sid Luckman was kind of a beast. Sid, Sid Luckman played in the 40s threw over 20 yards twice, including 1943-28 touchdowns. Props to Sid Luckman. And the fact that 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 basic that basically hasn't been beaten. I'm I'm really I'm I'm really actually upset that Eric Kramer threw 29 touchdowns because if Eric Kramer hadn't thrown 29 touchdowns, we literally could say that Sid Luckman in 1943's record of 28 touchdowns has not been beaten. That is really disappointing that Kramer got that one more touchdown. The 28 touchdown mark, aside from obviously the Eric Kramer uh, 29 touchdowns, has only been reached one time, 2014 Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, smoking Jay, only reached 20 touchdowns four times. He didn't quite get to 20 three seasons. He had 27, 23, 13, 19, 19, and then 28, 21. In his best year, he tied Sid Luckman for 28 touchdowns. By the way, after Sid, you did have Johnny Lujak, who had 23. But after that, it goes 4, 14, 15, 11, 13, 22, 18, 15, 13, 20, 10, 16, 11, 5, 11, 11, 12, 15, 16, 10, 15, 13, 7, 10, and then 29 with Eric Kramer. So it was a, from 1966 with Rudy Buckic to, let's see, to 1994, they couldn't even get to 20 touchdowns. Then they had Eric Kramer with 29. Then they went six more years without even 20 touchdowns. And we're, we're listen, this is the late 90s, early 2000s. I'm not talking about 1940s anymore, where I'm just picking on guys back when there wasn't a lot of forward passing. This is from 1996 to 2005. Eric, uh, let's see. Dave Craig, Eric Kramer, Jim Miller, Kyle Orton. Six years in which their most touchdown passes was 14, and they had two years under 10. Then they reached the 20s again with Rex Grossman, and then went another two years without 20 touchdowns. Then Jay had his record where he was obviously a freak. About half the time he can get to 20, half the time he couldn't. Josh McCown snuck in there for a year with 13 touchdowns. And then you get good old Mitch. Three years, only once he's gotten to 20 touchdowns. One year he had seven, one year he had 17. It is 2020, for crying out loud. Once we broke the late 80s, early 90s, we're getting into air-it-out offenses. right? We're getting into the San Francisco 49ers, right? West Coast, just throw the ball all the time type offenses. The smash mouth running, running the ball all the time was slowly being phased out. We're talking late 80s. It is 2020, and the Bears have not thrown for 30 touchdowns yet. And people are mad at the Packers because they got a 250-pound running back. Like, oh, what do you think this is, the 40s? What are you, the, the 
70s Steelers? Dude, the Bears haven't figured out the forward pass yet. Relax. And I, I, I can't get off this. I need to move on, but I'm just kind of blown away. <laughs> I mean, if you adjust for era, Sid Luckman is by far their best, um, their best quarterback. If not, then it's Jay Cutler. But man, the guy threw 137 touchdowns. Cutler threw 154. Now, Luckman also threw 132 interceptions, so he's he's about a one-for-one one ratio. So it's kind of like the old Smoke and Joe before there was a Smoke and Joe. Had a worse touchdown-to-interception ratio than Jay Cutler did. It's like a one-to-one one ratio. But Jay Cutler, if we just look at yards, 23,443 yards. Basically, that's Lynn Dickey's numbers. Lynn Dickey had 21,369. Bart Starr had more yards. His true Bart Starr played a little bit longer. He had a couple more games under his belt, but it wasn't that many. Remember that there was 14 games back then, and that was just starting in 1961. He only played in 14 games four times. I don't know. The, po- the point is the Bears are a joke. That's all I'm trying to say. By the way, after Jay Cutler was Sid Luckman, who I'm still going to say is better just because it's funny, 14,000 yards in his career. Anyways, I think I'm ready to move on now, but that that, uh, that was pretty fantastic. If you are not in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, make sure you are in there. If you have not liked the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, make sure you do that. If you'd like to support the show, there are links in the description so that you may do so. Leaving a five-star iTunes rating and review would uh, help quite a bit. Gotta let the people know. Otherwise, why don't we take a break and uh, talk about something else. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. The other thing I wanted to talk about today, and obviously it's very early, but this stuff is floating around out there, so let's address it. I want to talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers odds, because at first um, I had seen some people talking about how the odds makers are being unfair to the Packers, and so I looked into it a little bit, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, well, if we look at, for example, the odds to win the Super Bowl, the Packers rank ninth, depending on where you go, right? Every site's got a little bit of a different thing, but they're in and around there, and I'm just off the top of my head, I'm thinking, ninth seems reasonable. There's a lot of good teams. I feel like ninth is reasonable. But no matter what site I go to, there's always teams put ahead of the Packers that make me just think, you know, no, <laughs> what? 
But let's start with the good news. First of all, everywhere I've looked, the Green Bay Packers are expected to win the division. So they're at least being given that much respect. Despite all the talk about the Packers having gone backwards, despite the fact that everyone says the Packers are a fluke at 13-3, and when money's on the line, nobody seems to want to back it up. In other words, people want to talk, and people want to run their mouth, but yet this team that was never a 13-3 and team that actually went backwards in a tightly contested NFC North is still going to win somehow when the money's on the line. That's interesting to me. And I probably should just be grateful that the Packers are still very high, despite the fact that, granted, they didn't do a ton to take massive steps to get better. Right? I've, I've kind of pointed out how this is going to help LaFleur more adequately run the offense that he desires. And that, in turn, could potentially help the offense overall. That's sort of the goal, and that's how this team could potentially get better. But you can't really get around the fact that a first-round pick is going to be sitting on the bench. The second-round pick is, first of all, a running back, which has limited value, and second of all, is maybe going to be splitting carries. Again, he might get the, the lion's share, and then you see Aaron Jones as a little bit more of an Alvin Kamara receiving back. But still, he's he's one of, of no more than no less than two running backs, and he's a running back. Uh, then you have the number two tight end in the third round. You don't really address linebacker. You don't really address defensive tackle. You don't at all address wide receiver. You get offensive linemen, which I would say there's at least a 50% chance that none of them start in 2020. So, again, I, I get it. And it's probably just the fan in me that can't let it go. But I, I just want somebody to explain to me how some of these teams end up ahead of the Packers. For example... And to a smaller degree, I can get it, but explain to me the Seattle Seahawks. This is a team that has been consistently getting worse every single year. It's similar to the, they are similar to the Patriots, to where the roster just keeps looking uglier and uglier, but you know they got a good coach-quarterback combo, so they're always in the fight. It's one of those things, it's kind of similar to what the Packers were doing for a while, to be honest, where you want to count them out, but Aaron Rodgers is there, so you can't really count them out. But what in the world does Seattle have that the Packers don't? Are we still living in the past with Seattle? Russell Wilson is an unbelievable quarterback. And then what? What, are we that enamored with DK Metcalf? They have a horrific offensive line. They no longer have a tight end. Their wide receivers are good, not great. They've got a solid group. They've got a number one wide receiver in Lockett. They've got a solid number two, which could become a really good football player. I mean, you know, depending on... He's got great upside, and he started getting a lot better as the season went on. So maybe they're going to have two really good wide receivers. I don't know. They have got a disgustingly awful defensive line. They have a mediocre linebacker group that is headed up by uh, Wagner, who is clearly on the decline. Their elite safety duo is gone and is currently being held down by former Lion Quandre Diggs. This isn't a good football team. And by the way, they just got absolutely stomped out by the Green Bay Packers. But somehow... This team is better than the Packers. I don't really understand that. You could say, well, it's because they're not in as good of a division. Really? I, I don't think that's it. they got to deal with the 49ers twice. I, you know. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I disagree. Now, granted, they're close. The Seattle Seahawks are only slightly ahead. But I still find that silly. Maybe the biggest abomination in my mind is a team that's even ranked above the Seattle Seahawks, and that's the New England Patriots. Odds to win the Super Bowl. New England Patriots. What are we talking about here? The New England Patriots do not have a quarterback. They literally don't have 
a quarterback. I have to assume Brian Hoyer is going to be the starting quarterback. Well, what about Jared Stidham? He's garbage. Jared Stidham is terrible. Now, I mean, maybe they saw something in him um, that nobody else did in his 15 snaps. This fourth-round pick out of Auburn. Maybe he's going to light the world on fire, and the Patriots know. You know, I don't know, but I doubt it. I think Brian Hoyer is going to be the starter, and you're telling me that Brian Hoyer throwing to Mohamed Sanu, Nikhil Harry, and Julian Edelman with Matt Lacoste as your tight end. This is a team that is going to win the Super Bowl. You lost Philip Dorsett. You lost your kicker, Stephen Guskowski. You lost Danny Shelton. You lost Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy. Oh, and you lost Tom Brady. They, I mean, they, they don't really have pass rushers. They don't have linebackers anymore. They don't have wide receivers. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a tight end. But they're going to win a Super Bowl before the Packers. Okay. Then you've got the Philadelphia Eagles, who are even higher than the Patriots, which makes sense that they're higher than the Patriots, except for the part where they're um, sixth. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the Philadelphia Eagles were 9-7 and seven last year. Were they not 9-7? and seven? Didn't they limp into the playoffs and get beat by the Seattle Seahawks, who weren't even very good because they were so banged up last year? Didn't they lose to the Seattle Seahawks 9-17? to Well, Carson Wentz got hurt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're telling me that doesn't factor into the odds at all? So you've got Carson Wentz, who is unlikely to make it the rest of the year. They do have a good offensive line, with the exception of their left tackle. They drafted Jalen Rager, so everyone's going to be super enamored with their wide receiver group, which, by the way, this is exactly why I said they didn't need a wide receiver. They have Deshaun Jackson. Now, well, he's 900 years. Yeah, he's still really good, though. He had an 81 overall PFF grade. That's incredibly good. They also have Alshon Jeffrey, who's still very good. Now they have Jalen Rager. Okay, cool. You know what they didn't address? Their needs. They, they, they don't have any corners. Well, they got Darius Slay, right, and he was terrible last year. By the way, you need more than one corner. They don't have any good corners. They don't have good linebackers. Maybe TJ Edwards, if he can continue what he was able to do last year, not putting a ton of stock into that for an undrafted free agent uh, out of 20, for 2019. Also, for a team that likes to have a really dominant offensive line and run the ball, they don't really have a running back either. So they haven't done much. They, they don't have linebackers. They don't have corners. They don't really have safeties. They've got a good defensive line, a good offensive line, a quarterback if he can stay healthy, and just a stacked wide receiver and tight end group. So their entire plan is to just throw the ball all over the yard, which is what Packers fans want and which is what pretty much apparently everybody wants, including Vegas. Get an offensive line to protect your quarterback, get him every weapon, and just throw it all over the yard. Okay, well, we'll see how that goes. They're, they're apparently going to try to win in a bunch of shootouts because, again, their defense isn't going to be stopping anybody. Their corners are no good, their linebackers are no good, their safeties are no good. But, hey, they got a third wide receiver, so props to them. Again, this team is better than the Packers. Okay. And then, even higher than that, even higher than the Eagles, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <sighs> Look, I know Brady and Gronk just went there, WWE superstar Gronk, and Tom Brady, who has worked well within a Bill Belichick system for years. But Tampa Bay went 7-9 and nine last year. 7-9. and nine. Again, not a good defense. They were 29th in points allowed last year, their defense was. Their offense was already third, and they went 7-9. and nine. Do we really think they're going to be a better offense because of Tom Brady in this air-it-out style offense? 
Tom Brady is the last quarterback in the world I would expect to be here. And by the way, if they're going to change the style of the offense to try to suit Tom Brady, that's fine. But doesn't that negatively impact everybody else? If these wide receivers were thriving, if Chris Godwin was thriving with his 4-4-2 speed in an offense in which you run down the field and get a bunch of yards down the field, is trying to turn him into Julian Edelman not going to negatively affect him at all? And again, not good corners, not a good defensive line, not a very good pass rush group. They've got Justin Evans at safety, who's not very good. The only other safety they have is their second-round pick, Antoine Winfield, who they drafted. But this 7-9 and nine team, again, the strength of this team was their offense. This team was third in points, third in yards. Number one in the NFL in passing yards. Number three in passing touchdowns. And they went 7-9. and nine. You added Tom Brady, and suddenly you're going to win the Super Bowl? I don't get how that works. And we're talking fifth highest odds of anybody. Listen, beyond that, you've got the Saints, the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. That's not disputable. I don't care. The top four are the top four, and I'm not going to dispute it. What order you want to put them in, that's that's up to you. I don't really have a problem with Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, Saints. That's fine. I think they've earned the right to call themselves the top four. But again, you're going to put the, the Buccaneers, the Eagles, the Patriots, and the Seahawks ahead of the Packers. I don't even mind that the Dallas Cowboys are there. They're actually tied with the Packers. I don't even mind that so much. The Cowboys have some needs, no question, but they still got a very good offensive line. They have a good quarterback. They've got a stacked wide receiver group. They've got a very good running back. They have at least one really good um, edge rusher, despite, you know, maybe not super strong everywhere else. Linebackers kind of took a step back, but maybe Van Der Esch gets back to his old self. Decent safety group. Not the worst corner group in the world. I mean, it could be better, but to say that this roster looks similar to the Packers, maybe stronger in some areas, weaker in other areas, but on the whole, they've got equal odds of winning the Super Bowl. I don't mind that. But I mean, just just looking at the Eagles above Dallas seems strange to me. Well, the Eagles got a stacked wide receiver group. Not as much as Dallas. Is Wentz better than Prescott, especially if we're talking about long-term potential when you factor in Wentz's injury history? Who has a better offensive line? If it's the Eagles, it's not by much. Who has a better running back? It's Dallas. Who has better wide receivers? It's Dallas. Who has better corners? Dallas. Defensive line maybe goes to the Eagles, but I think Lawrence is probably the best pass rusher in the group between the two teams. I think Dallas has better safeties. I just... Okay. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm not trying to prop up Dallas. I know that's that's, uh, verboten in, you know, Packers land, but I, I I just don't get it. And again, I'm again even even ninth highest odds, best odds in the NFC North. You know, I don't want to really complain about it, but just 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 explain it to me. I mean, and to be honest, I think the Vikings are kind of getting jobbed here too. I think the Vikings should be up kind of close to where the Packers are. They should be similar odds, and they both should be ahead of the Patriots and the Buccaneers. I think the Steelers should be higher. They had one of the best defenses in football last year. They got their quarterback. I, just, I you know. Again, it's not it's not being ninth. It's just I don't understand how some of these teams are seen in a better light. Are we that mad at the Packers for their draft that we're just going to dump them down here? I mean, the Eagles got Jalen Hurts in the second round. Is, is, it, is it because, again, they got that wide receiver, we're all going to freak out? A team that did not need a wide receiver, despite everybody saying they did, went and got Jalen Rager? What, to go in the slot? So they added to a strong wide receiver group and then got a quarterback and they're going to just win the Super Bowl now? With broke down Wentz and the Buccaneers being fifth makes me furious because again all this is is looking at off oh man 
best wide receiver group in football, and now Tom Brady? Well, do they have an offensive line? Dude, who cares? Do they have pass rushers? Who cares, dude? Tom Brady and good wide receivers? Do they have a running back? Who cares? Do they have corners? Dude, who cares? It, it just... This is like NFL bro logic. Like, dude, bro, just wide receivers, bro. You go through the draft, and who had a good draft? Anybody that drafted a wide receiver, bro. Dallas got CeeDee Lamb, bro. Don't they already have good wide receivers? Yeah, but they got more now, bro. Dude, the Eagles got Rager. They already have two good wide receivers. Dude, they got three now. <laughs> okay, but they really needed corners. Dude, cor- who cares about corners, bro? Got Jalen Rager. Gonna win Super Bowl three. It's just drives me crazy. If you drafted a wide receiver, your odds to win the Super Bowl just went up tenfold. And again, I'm not defending the Packers draft. I, I can't look at that and say, oh, they clearly are a better team than last year. But they were 13-3, and even if they're the same team. And again, Tampa Bay maybe improved their offense, which was already their strength. So did they improve as a team? Not really. The weakness was their defense. Whatever, man. Anyways, it's going to be a short episode. It's already 520. I was supposed to be done a long time ago. Late start, plus I really got lost looking up stats on that Chicago Bears thing. I thought that was funny. But um, I also want to look at some more on this. Probably I wanted to do it today, but I don't have time. The Packers are also sitting at about eight and a half to nine wins. I just, you know, I don't know. But anyways, again, it's going to be it for today. As I've said before, I just want the season to start. There's so much nonsense floating around. And, and listen, I respect Vegas because they've literally got billions of dollars on the line to get this right. So they're, they're usually not going to allow bias to get in, in the way of, of very good analysis. But I disagree. And I cannot wait for the season to start. If for no other reason than I want to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers experiment fail and for the New England Patriots to win four games this year. Not sure Bill Belichick will allow that. He gets a minimum of eight wins even without a quarterback. But, you know, it is what it is. I just look forward to the Packers proving a lot of people. But anyways, you guys have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.